0: Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name's Pat Horn. Joining me today is Aaron Mace, the Assistant Program Manager at the hackland Hume Historic Site. And also he happens to be the curator of our newest temporary exhibit at the museum, titled Cheers, which is about the history of brewing in Muskegon. And Aaron, today we're gonna talk about the history of brewing in Muskegon and really how it's grown, especially in recent years as well. So what can you kind of tell me about the really early history of brewing in Muskegon? Brewing in Muskegon goes all the way back to uh, the late 1850s when there's kind of the first
1: accounts of individual brewers. Um, There are also a number of other people that are listed as brewers that lived in Muskegon throughout the 1860s and 1870s. And then there was um, kind of the first official brewery itself was started in downtown Muskegon. uh, Well, what we would consider downtown, kind of outside downtown at that time. But that was uh, started by Frederick Neumeister in 1867. And then there were also some breweries uh, in the 1870s that um, existed in Ravenna and Montague at the time, but those had both seemed to have closed by the end of the
0: 1870s. Those were pretty small-scale operations overall, though.
1: Yeah, all of them were. Even the brewery that was here in Muskegon, I think the capacity when it kind of first started was only about 8,000 barrels a year, which really, in the grand scheme of a lot of breweries now- nowadays, is really uh, not very much.
0: When did Muskegon really start to boom as a brewery
1: town then? So the Muskegon Brewing Company was kind of the largest and longest lasting brewery here in Muskegon. And that got to start in 1876. It was founded by Gustav and Otto Meske, who were two um, German immigrants here to Muskegon. And they also partnered with Gottlieb Ninnemann, who was somebody they had known from the brewing industry as well before they came to Muskegon. So they founded the brewery here in 1876, kind of taking over the Neumeister
0: Brewery. And then as it kind of grew over time, it became one of the largest breweries in the state. How did the uh, Meski brothers get their experience? Were they brewing in other places? What was their background? So both Otto and Gustav had some prior experience or a lot of prior
1: experience, I should say, in the brewing industry. Otto Meski actually started as an apprentice at a brewery in Germany when he was 14 years old, and by the time oh. he turned 16, he was the head brewer there, so he really excelled at that. He um, traveled across Germany and worked at several of the larger breweries in that country, and then he came to the States in 1871 and went right to Milwaukee, since that at the time and even now is kind of a, a big place. For, um, brewing so he went there and continued to work in the trade and then also worked for breweries in Oshkosh and then even in Detroit as well. So his brother Gustav came to the U.S. the following year in 1872, also went to Milwaukee And they continued to work in the brewing industry there. And then the two brothers, along with their other brother, whose name was Charles, and a business partner named Reiner Hock, they actually formed their own brewery in 1873 called Meskee Brothers and Hock. So even before they came to Muskegon, they had already successfully opened and run a brewery. Do we know why they ended up quitting there and moving to Muskegon? Not specifically. I think that maybe they just wanted to kind of venture out on their own, but I've never been able to find any
0: particular reason why they decided to close up shop there and come to Muskegon. I guess at that time, Muskegon was really starting to grow as a lumbering town smay. They just thought it'd be a bigger audience for their beers. Yeah, I think that's probably a good point. It was already the existing brewery. It was probably a, a good market, not really a lot of competition in this area. So we're gonna kind of focus on the Muskegon Brewing Company since that was really the main brewery here in Muskegon. Uh, where exactly was it located? Is it still around today at all? Any pieces of it? Yeah, there are some
1: pieces of it still around. If people are familiar with Cole's Bakery, which is downtown at the corner of Michigan Avenue and Lakeshore Drive. So there are parts of the Cole's facility that go back to when it was the brewery there, which is uh, pretty amazing that that's still around.
0: Yeah, very cool.
1: What style of beer were they particularly brewing at the Muskegon Brewing Company? So, they made a lot of different styles. Their most well known were um, called Best or Muskegon Best and their Lager or Muskegon Lager. Those were the ones that were kind of the most popular. But they made a number of other beers. They made a double X Porter a Viner uh, beer, which is like a Vienna-style lager, an export lager, a Bach beer, which was a special thing they brewed um, in the springtime, their special brew, their old-time lager, the, their Lake State
0: beer, and then kind of later on, they made a non-alcoholic beer called Besto. Were this beer primarily consumed here in Muskegon, or do they end up distributing their beer throughout the area? Yeah, so Muskegon was their biggest market by far, but they did
1: have a pretty wide reach all across the state of Michigan. They had storage facilities in Cadillac, in Owasso, and Kalamazoo, and they also had agents in different cities that would sell their beer for them. And they actually owned a lot of saloons and bars in different cities that they would rent out to people to run and then sell their beer on the premises. So they're kind of making money both (laughs) ways. ways, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's smart. So with the success of the company, it sounds like they're doing pretty well. Did they end up expanding it as far as from what it originally started as? Yeah. So when the breweries started out, as I said, their kind of maximum capacity was about
1: 8,000 barrels a year. And then by the 1890s, it was up to about 60,000 wow. barrels a year. So a pretty huge expansion over time. And they had kind of these different offices and agents all over the state. And they did even ship their beer to
0: Chicago as well. So even some kind of steps outside of Michigan too. And that 60,000 barrels, how's that compared to modern breweries? Do you know, is there any comparison in the amount of production?
1: So that 60,000 barrels would be more than all of
0: Muskegon's current four breweries combined. So So a really major operation. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And did the brewing company then kind of fill the same footprint that Cole's breakery does today, or is it slightly larger or smaller? So originally it was much smaller
1: as they grew over time. They added more ice houses, new malt house, um, you know, different kind of components to make more and more beer as their company grew. So, um, Kohl's today is about the same size as when it
0: stopped being a brewery in the 1950s. So yeah, pretty large operation. Uh, for most breweries, Prohibition was a big deal for them. What happened to Mesquite Brewing Company during Prohibition? So Prohibition in Michigan actually kind of started a little bit earlier than in
1: the rest of the country. In 1918, the Muskegon Brewing Company actually rebranded themselves as the Muskegon Bottling and Beverage Company. And so instead of uh, brewing beer, they primarily focused on making soda. They did have a bottling plant here, so that was kind of an easy switch for them. And they had already bottled soda even before Prohibition started. They also sold ice And then uh, they also, for a little while, sold malt extract, which people during Prohibition were known to use to make their own beer at home. Because that wasn't against the law, correct? Just selling it was against the law. Right. You could sell the materials that someone could use to make beer as
0: long as you didn't sell the beer. beer. Kind of a little loophole I discovered there. Very nice. Yeah. Now, Aaron, you mentioned they were selling ice. How exactly did they get the ice? How did they make it? Because we're talking 1920 or so.
1: So uh, originally the brewery would have had ice houses on their property and they would have had ice that was cut out of presumably Muskegon Lake or Lake Michigan, which they would have kept there and insulated with sawdust. But actually in 1890, they built a uh, facility that was meant to manufacture ice. They spent about $25,000 on that okay. time. It was powered by a uh, hundred horsepower coreless steam engine and actually used uh, ammonia to create ice, and so they were able to
0: produce about 30 tons of ice per day. So definitely enough to sell throughout the area. Yeah, for sure. Now, at that time, was it still owned by the Meski brothers, or they retired or died by that point? Yeah. So it was still owned by the Meskies, actually all through
1: Prohibition. Gottlieb Nineman, who was their partner at first, did retire in 1895, so after he left, the Meskies kind of took over entirely, and then... Otto and Gustav continued to kind of work there and maintain it, and then eventually it was taken over by Fritz, who was one of the mesky, uh
0: sons. So they managed to survive through Prohibition, right, by selling the ice and the malt extract? Yeah, they survived as the,
1: the bottling and beverage company, yep.
0: So when Prohibition was repealed, what happened then? So when Prohibition was about to
1: be repealed, the brewery kind of... Started back up again. They kind of reincorporated in May of 1933 and they were going to start brewing again and uh, kind of go back to their previous business. Unfortunately, their plans to do that had a pretty sudden change. Change <laughs> yeah. is a good way to put it. Uh, they had a massive fire that pretty much destroyed the brewery on May 25th of 1933. So, unfortunately, they were just about to start production again, and then um, all of those plans were basically blown up. Do they know what caused the fire at all, or what happened? Not that I've been able to tell, it's kind of, they thought maybe it was arson or something, but never really able to determine specifically what it was. Did they decide to end up rebuilding the brewery after the fire? So they did have plans to do so, and they kind of tried to continue on for a few years, but uh, eventually they did go bankrupt in 1935. So was that the end of brewing in Muskegon then? Not quite. So that was the end for the Muskegon Brewing Company, but in 1935, Fritz Meske, who was the president at the time, decided to sell the brewery, and he sold it to uh, a businessman from Grand Rapids named Frank McKay. And uh, Frank McKay took the Muskegon Brewery here and then took the Grand Rapids Brewing Company name, which had been a brewery in Grand Rapids prior to Prohibition, and kind of combined them together. So he opened the Grand Rapids Brewing Company here in Muskegon in the same facility as what was the Muskegon Brewing Company.
0: What happened to the Grand Rapids Brewing Company then? Because they're not around anymore, at least here in Muskegon. Right, so the Grand Rapids Brewing Company operated here from about
1: 1935 until 1946, and then, they got bought out by Gobel which was one of the larger breweries that was based in Detroit.
0: Was it Goebel who was um, brewing Guinness here? Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So Goebel um, brewed special kinds of Guinness here that they had kind of a, a license from Guinness to make. So they were only made for a, a two-year period from 1954 to 1956. They were considered to be pretty good beers, but just didn't really have... The ability to compete with all of the kind of American domestics they were up against and so that's why they weren't made for a very long time.
0: And that was pretty unique to have that license to brew Guinness correct?
1: Yeah that was something that really hadn't been done much outside of Ireland at that point in time
0: so that was um, definitely kind of a unusual thing to have happen in Muskegon. And then what happened with Goebbels then Brewing here in Muskegon? So Goebel had the
1: brewery here from 1946 to 1957, uh, but then Goebel themselves had kind of a a slowdown in business, and then they decided to shut
0: down the Muskegon plant here in September of 1957. And then from 1957, there's kind of a a dead point then, basically, of brewing here in Muskegon, or is there anyone else after that that we know of?
1: So other than people that were maybe home brewing or things like that, there was no real Brewing company or brewing business here
0: until 2013. Pretty long gap there. Yeah So what kind of brought that revitalization of brewing in Muskegon? So in Muskegon the first brewery
1: to kind of open up again Officially was Unruly Brewing Company in downtown Muskegon and that was like I said in 2013 And so after that you've had Pigeon Hill and Fetch Brewing up in Whitehall and then Rake Beer Project
0: just this year, so it's kind of continuing to grow. Seems like Muskegon's a good market for it then.
1: Yeah, I think so. People really enjoy the tap rooms downtown
0: and they've added a lot of activity for people to check out. Now, is there still a legacy from the Muskegon Brewing Company here in Muskegon? Is it still remembered?
1: Yeah, there are quite a few people that do collect artifacts from the Muskegon Brewing Company. Uh, we have a number of items in our museum's collection. There are also some individual collectors, um, and so a lot of people uh, still are familiar with the Muskegon Brewing Company. They've heard of it, or they know it existed, but just don't know a lot about it.
0: Now, do we know, kind mean, of speaking of the modern breweries and the Muskegon Brewing Company, is beer brewed today in the similar way that it was um, when the brewery first opened up in Muskegon? Is it a pretty similar process? So, it's similar in the
1: sense that, you know, beer traditionally is made with barley with hops yeast water you know those sorts of things are pretty consistent but the way that beer is made today is much more scientific than it used to be you know uh, even though beer has been made by humans for thousands of years for a long time it wasn't even really understood how fermentation worked or kind of how (laughs) the whole process actually happened and so it wasn't until really like uh, the late 1800s that fermentation was really fully understood and how it was so crucial to the brewing process. So, definitely over time, brewers have learned more and more of how to be more consistent and how to kind of
0: manipulate the ingredients to get the outcome that they want. Kind of from there, segueing into the actual Cheers exhibit, one of the things I know we have on display is a recipe book from the Muskegon Brewing Company, correct? Mm -hmm. And that lists some of the ingredients and Does it have temperatures and things like that that you need to brew the beer? Yeah, so um, that journal was put together by
1: Fritz Meski, who was kind of one of the um, sons that ended up taking over the brewery, and he uh, started that journal, it seems like as kind of his notes as he was learning the ropes at the brewery, so he would write down how many pounds of mash. They would often use corn, too, or corn grits in their brewing process, how many pounds of hops they would need, and then, like you said to raise and lower the temperatures at certain
0: times as part of the brewing process. So yeah, it's pretty detailed and uh, really interesting to see that. So what other things are on display if people want to come to the museum and check out the Cheers exhibit? So we have quite a few items from brewery. Uh, a
1: lot of their promotional materials, so you'll see any different posters or uh, advertisements. We have a lot of bottles from the different eras of the brewery, some of them very, very early, some of them going all the way through the Bottling and Beverage Company and also through the Grand Rapids Brewing Company and Global Eras, and then uh, some different glasses, trays, tons and tons of images, bottling crates, so there's a lot of stuff.
0: When is the exhibit up to? So the exhibit is running from now until May 18th of 2020. So lots of chances to come in, check it out, Definitely learn about the history yeah. of brewing in Muskegon.